Well, I'm so good, glad that you could join us today as we open God's Word. I pray that the worship has been sweet for you as we as we are part of Memorial Day weekend, and, and uh, we celebrate that day. I know many have given their life for our country. I know some of you were married to uh, somebody that was in the military, and we're just so grateful for, uh, we're so blessed, that's for sure. But uh, we're entering in a new series called What's After ATX, and you've probably seen billboards and social media about this, and you've probably been wondering about it. And I know a couple of months ago, you received a little book like this so that you could hand it out to somebody else just to uh, create some interest, because one of the incredible questions that is in front of everybody is, what happens after life? What happens after we uh, die and pass from the, here? What, what actually takes place? So we're going to be tackling this topic for the next few weeks. And, and so I just pray that God will speak to you in the midst of it. Let me kind of whet your appetite a little bit for how we get into this today. On February the 1st, 2003, the Space Shuttle Columbia disintegrated when it came back into Earth's orbit and all eight of the astronauts on board were uh, killed immediately. And what they discovered is, is when the Columbia took off, there was a, a foam insulation that was about the size of a briefcase that fell off and uh, it sealed its doom from liftoff. So it, whenever they would enter back into the Earth's orbit, it was just a matter of time before the Columbia uh, would explode. In other words, from liftoff, it was doomed. And uh, we hated that, we, but now we know what took place. The Columbia is a lot like life. We're born, we exist, uh, we do not know our days. Um, the Lord numbers them, but we do not know them. But we all lift off, and someday we were all uh, in our death. And uh, we don't like to talk about that much, but it is something that we all question. What is death? What do we do after we die? And the writer of the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews 2.14, let me just read this. It says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Many just have a fear of death. And Jesus came, he took on humanity. And so we're going to be looking at this. But let me give you some thoughts on life and death a little bit. Every day on this globe, 7 billion people are, are living. Every day, 360,000 are born. Across the globe, 360,000 are born. 155,000 plus die every day. That's every day that takes place. So that means that there are 6,300 people per hour that pass away on the, on the globe today. So in the, as, as weird as it sounds, by the time we finish this service from the beginning, averages are, say that 6,300 people will pass away. So that means 105 people per minute and over two per second pass away uh, on on the globe that there there is. And, you know, we don't like to talk about death, and we live in a day that death isn't so much uh, uh, in vogue to, to talk about. But uh, growing up in the 60s and 70s, during the uh, Vietnam uh, era, 
Every night you would be greeted on the news by somebody, the newscaster coming on and telling us how many of our young men lost their lives that day in the, in the uh, Vietnam conflict. And so you were greeted every day with that. And it was kind of weird, but you kind of got used to it that this was what was taking place. But it's interesting, and the day we live in with the coronavirus especially has created a lot of fear in people. Uh, I don't know if you know the numbers, but uh, worldwide there's been 322,000 people that have died from the coronavirus. In the states themselves, there's over 90,000 that have uh, passed away. This is something interesting I, I discovered. The Black Death, when it came over Europe in the 14th century, get this, 50 million people lost their lives. That was over 60% of the population of Europe lost their lives in the 14th century due to a plague that was happened. Praise God we, we haven't gone through that for sure. But I was thinking about other death things that many of us have experienced. I thought about 9-11. I thought about the World Trade Centers in New York when they were attacked. 2,977 people lost their life in just a matter of hours there. Um, Pearl Harbor, which took place. The attack on Pearl Harbor, 2,400 plus died at Pearl Harbor. And, I, and then I started bringing it back down to where were you when kind of thing. And uh, we're coming up on, on May 27th is going to be uh, another anniversary for what we call around here the Gerald Tornado. It happened in 1997. But within that tornado, 28 people lost their lives just in, in a blink, and, and nobody has that on their daytimer that they're going to lose their job, uh, lose their life. You don't know when you will die. You don't know how you will die. You don't know where you will be when you die. And we try to hold off death as much as possible. We we diet. We exercise. We're looking for Ponce de Leon's Fountain of Youth. We're looking for the the checkout counter magazines that will keep you as young as we possibly can. But you can't hold it off. I've done funerals for infants, for children, for teens, for young and older adults. And I've done them for various ways that people have passed away. So you cannot hold it off. And we, in our culture, though, we don't talk about death much, but we are fascinated with what is beyond this life. And we want to know, right? We want to know what is beyond this life best we can. Um, Randy Posh, who uh, was a, a professor at Carnegie Mellon University, was dying of pancreatic cancer. And they allowed him to do what was called the last lecture. And when he did this lecture, he was talking about facing death. And it came out of a book. It was a YouTube video. It was an incredible watched uh, uh, thing. But people were so curious. And then people are very curious about the near-death experiences that happen. And, and the, these little books talk a lot about that. And John Burke wrote his book, Imagine Heaven, about how that we see so many of these near-death experiences. But and, and many of you that were been a part of Central were, for a while will remember when we had Don Piper here, who uh, his life was 90 minutes in heaven where he had the accident and he actually uh, had that experience. And it was credible to, to hear what took place. 
And and there's a web page called whatsafteratx.org, and uh, this will be a place you can go and, and see a lot of evidence in some particular areas. You do not base your theology on near-death experiences, but it's interesting to, to see this. Hollywood is also fascinated with death and, and what is beyond. And what's interesting is that you attend a funeral today, and you go to that funeral, and it almost happens all the time that you hear somebody say, oh, they're in a better place, or they're not hurting anymore. Is that just wishful thinking? Is, is that just something we come up with to make ourselves feel better? You know, what is the truth? What, what really do we see as truth? There are many different views of the afterlife in, in culture. Uh, the secular humanist would say total annihilation. This is it. The, all you have is right here. Other than this, when you die, it's total annihilation. There's moral deists that say if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, then, then you receive the rewards of your good deeds and, and not of your bad deeds. Then there's reincarnation or nirvana or the circle of life or these kind of ways of looking at it. And there's, there's different religious faiths that have different versions of, of a, a judgment or a paradise that you can go to. And then there's a biblical worldview that we hold to, which we will uh, explain more as we get into this. But I, I thought about what is death anyway? Uh, death, clinical death is the cessation of vital functions such as respiratory, heart, brain waves. And I try to simplify things a little bit because that would be the death of an individual. When we say the grass died or that plant died or these kind of things. Basically, it's the absence of life. There is no sign of life or growth in that whatsoever. It is, it is terminated. It is no longer there. And uh, I have come to the conclusion, though, that we are so much more than bodies. Uh, I've been with people when they've passed away. I've been with people uh, who have gone through things like amputations and these kind of things. It, it doesn't matter. You take piece by piece. They're still a, they're still alive. They still are who they are. I've seen people kept alive by artificial means, and they were still conscious and and they were existing. So we are so much more than these bodies. Now, in our Bibles, we're going to turn to Second Corinthians chapter five because Paul, who was a follower of Jesus, he um, he was facing a lot of things. He was facing. Uh, his own demise to, cause people were against him. And I bet he was thinking, I'm going to check out early. He was also ministering to people who had trusted Jesus, but they were expecting Jesus to return and Jesus had not returned. And so there was death taking place. So what does this mean? So Paul, he addresses this about his own life and for those of us who are disciples as well. So second Corinthians chapter five, verse one through 10. And let me read. Paul is speaking. He says, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. 
So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. I want to just unpack three things that I think are very vital that Paul is giving us right here. Number one is this. You can write this down. Earthly life is temporary and often difficult. Well, duh, that makes sense. But Paul addresses it here uh, for all of us that earthly life is temporary and often difficult. We don't pick how we're going to die. We don't put it on our day timer and say, this is how we're going to pass away. We do not pick that out. You get one chance with life. And uh, Paul gives a picture here in verse 1. He says, this earth, earth suit, this earthly life is like a tent. In other words, we're going to break camp. And he says, when it is destroyed, that means to break camp. And you're going to move on. That's what he says is temporary. The word destroyed means to break camp, but it also means to lodge as a guest. In other words, we are but guests here. Whether it's uh, 70 years, 80 years, 100 years, I don't know. But we are temporary here. And uh, you cannot hold off the inevitable. And I, I was reading about cryogenics. Cryogenics is when they take your body and they lower the temperature so much that they basically freeze you. I guess like Han Solo in, in the Star Wars, he got frozen carbonite. They, they lower your temperature and so that they freeze you basically so that maybe they'll find a cure and then they'll thaw you out someday. And you think, wow, that's crazy. Ted Williams, the great baseball great, he did this. Uh, and, and I was reading the cost, 200000 to get cryogenics. Uh, also, if you just want your head frozen, it's 80000 So, there you go. But you cannot hold it off, no matter what we try to do. And while we're here, though, we are in these temporary earth suits. And notice what Paul says. We groan. We groan. Uh, the older you get, you try to get up from the couch, you groan. This is what happens because while we're in these earth suits, we will suffer. Uh, we will suffer from sickness, we will suffer from accidents, we will suffer from threats. We see these all the time. We suffer just because you're a follower of the Lord doesn't mean you won't get coronavirus. You do things to try to take care of yourself. But while we're in these earth suits, we do suffer. And that's what Paul is getting across. Listen, these tents are going to be taken up someday. And these earthly lights are temporary. And so often it's difficult. But here's the second thing that I want to get across that Paul is getting across. Your view of afterlife will coincide with where you place your faith. Your view of the afterlife will coincide with where you place your faith. Notice what Paul said in verse 7. He said, we walk by faith, not by sight. He had said in 2 Corinthians 4 that what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. So we walk this life out by faith. And I've come to the conclusion, and I think Paul addresses this. This life, earthly life, does not make sense without faith. And I'm not talking about faith in faith. 
I'm talking about faith in God, faith in the one that created you, faith in who he truly is, according to what God's word shows us. And notice what he says as well is Paul said in verse five that God has given us his spirit as a guarantee. Now, what does that mean? Well, some some versions of the scripture uh, will define guarantee this way. They will say it's a down payment. In other words, God has something for us someday, but in the meantime, Christ sent his spirit back to inhabit his believers, and he has given us his spirit as this down payment for more that's to come. But in my study, I discovered another thing that this word means. The word guarantee is also the picture of a man with an engagement ring to give to his future wife as a promise that they are going to get married someday. So the word guarantee is the giving of that engagement ring that we're going to get married. And so that is another thing that Christ has done for us. God has given us this guarantee by his spirit, his engagement ring, that one day he is going to take us to be with him forever. Isn't that an incredible picture? That's a beautiful picture of what the scriptures teach us right there. So the guarantee is his spirit. Well, what does that mean? That means is his transformation, his holding us up as we walk through this life on a daily basis. He has given us his very presence to walk through that. So your view of the afterlife will coincide with where you place your faith. Now, here's the third one right quick. Life is a gift and there is an accountability. Notice what Paul goes on to say. He says, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim To please him. In other words, he is the one that has given us life. And if he has given us life, our purpose to live, our our aim is to be acceptable to him and to please him. And life is a gift and there is an accountability that comes with that life that we have been given. I was fortunate enough to go to college and to seminary. Now, I wouldn't have been able to afford that. But one thing happened in my life is that my father died when I was very young. And in the process of that, Social Security checks came, mom put them aside so that when it came time for me to go to college, I could go to college and then to seminary. Now, I knew that that's where that money had come from. It was a gift that was given to me. And you know what it did? It made me a better student that I knew I was able to go because of the gift that was given to me. You see, God has given us the gift of life. And Paul is saying, it's my aim that I want to please him. But then notice what else he says in verse 10. He said, a day is coming when we are going to stand before him. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. The, the picture here is the Bema seat, is what it's called. It's through it. When the Roman ruler would be there and, and there would be giving out of sentences that would be happened, the rewards that would be given. And there's going to come a day when all of mankind will stand before the Lord, but especially those who have lived a life to please Him to come and to, and to stand before the Lord and to hear Him say, well done, and, and to be able to bestow the gifts that He desires upon us. But but here's the deal. Life is a gift for us. And there's an accountability in how we live that out. There are many people that have posed the question, is there life after death? 
In fact, Job in the Old Testament asked this question. He said, if a man dies, shall we live again? He was even asking the question. And I thought about that. And I thought, science says he may live again. Philosophy says he hopes to live again. Ethics says he ought to live again. Atheism says he will never live again. But Jesus Christ said he will live again. Because he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Reverend J. Redford Wilson He was the former director of the Free Will Baptist Foreign Missions, and he entered the hospital for the last time with an illness he had. And the doctors came to him and said uh, to him that there's a surgery we can do, but it's very risky, and the chances of you surviving it are minimal. He fixed his gaze upon that doctor, and as he spoke to that doctor, what he said was this. He said, either way, doc... I win. You know, God has given us this life. We live out this life. It's temporary. It has its struggles, yes. But he has given us his spirit as a guarantee, as an engagement ring for the day when we step out of here. And then we are accountable for what he has given us. But it's good to know that we step out of here as followers of Jesus. Either way, if we stay or we go, either way, we win. Maybe today, you, the Lord is just speaking to your heart about this. And we're going to unpack this even more over the upcoming weeks. But today, the doctors agree, one out of every one person will die. And so, we look at that today. And we ask the question, God, are you real? Is this really for me? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so I pray that this gives you hope and encouragement. And maybe we can help you today. Don't be afraid to send us prayer concerns so that we can pray for you and help give you counsel during this time. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the hope that it gives. Lord, we all have questions because we have never gone to the other side of the veil. And there's people that are very fearful because they don't know what will happen to them. God, I pray that today by your spirit, who is the guarantee that you will give hope. So, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And I pray this today in Jesus name. Amen. 